Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. gentle snow falls, your grace falls as glory rises from this building. God, prepare our hearts to hear a fresh word. Even though this word's been released, I believe tonight that it's a fresh word. And that even if you heard it a few weeks ago, it's actually a fresh word and it's been tuned up and primed up, not by me. I haven't even touched it since I spoke it last, but by the Spirit of God. And I believe tonight is about an anointing. On Sunday, just keep your eyes closed. I want you to focus on this. On Sunday, I had a vision. At the end of service, we had a bunch of men up here praying on their knees, which is so beautiful. Because years ago, the Lord spoke and said, men of this church will lead this revival. And God works through authority. And so tonight he wants to anoint with authority on this church. It's important that you receive this because this vision, it was over Dalton and I don't think he'll mind me sharing because I've already shared it in the men's basement nights. But it's also over you all. It's a covering over this church because that's what authority is. It's, It's a covering. Actually, had two visions Sunday. The first one was it involved the glory of the Lord just shining down, straight down from heaven on this this roof of this building. And I believe that's God. God was saying, "There's no authority in between you and me. There's nothing blocking what I've come to do, and we have to guard that and protect that and expand that." But Jesus, we, we do declare that way your spirit spoke is, is that you, our only authority is you, Father. And, and you are shining your glory down on your children because hearts are burning, hearts are hungry. That's why we're here tonight. We're not here to play instruments. We're not here to, to, to do a podcast. We're here for the glory of the Lord. And we want your fire that you've started, this little spark that you've started in us, we want that to grow And we want you to fan the flames. So that vision I had over Dalton, I saw Dalton and he was in a Roman centurion uniform. He was standing on a hillside and he was holding his helmet. His blonde hair was kind of waving in the wind a little bit. He was standing there and his family, Peyton and the boys were right behind him and they were smiling with joy. And Dalton was smiling with joy and you could tell that he had an authority about him. He's one that carried authority. And you could see some soldiers off in the distance that probably reported to him. And in his right hand was a sword, his left hand he was holding his helmet. 
his head was bare, and all of a sudden I saw a rider approach him on a white horse. It was the true and faithful one. And he was smiling at Dalton. And he stayed on his horse and he, he looked Dalton square in the eye and he put his hand on his head and he anointed him and he, and he said, son, you are true and you are faithful because I am true and I am faithful. And I could see the name that's only known to him engraved on the thigh of Jesus, the ultimate warrior. And he was imparting authority to Dalton and his family and this church because he holds the keys. He has all authority. And so, Father, we receive that tonight. We receive this anointing tonight. We receive this new mantle tonight that you're pouring out, Father. And these words that you're about to speak from your throne room is all about imparting an authority on us. So we receive the anointing. We receive the glory, not for our sake, but for your sake to lay our crowns back at your feet over and over and over again. You are the true King, Jesus. We love you. We're so grateful for you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm walking back to get my spin drift to take a swig before I get going here. Because Thursday night church, you can do that. That's right. We're just making the rules up as we go. I love this. I love family. So good. I love that God put us in family. So I know some of you heard of this. I know Heidi didn't hear this. I knew she would be, if there was only one person here, she was going to be here cheering me on. But some of you, rest of you came. I'm, I'm so grateful because it's difficult to preach to an empty room, right? That's what God feels like when our hearts are closed. It's difficult to, to speak to hearts that are closed, seats that are empty. So, man, if, if nothing else, obviously for the sake of the podcast, but if nothing else, I think my heart needs to hear this again as well. So this is the second installment of our, our PUSH series, and um, I got a bunch of P letters. I'm going to talk about purple and Python and prison and politics, oh, yay, and presence, most importantly. So about a month ago, I was reading through Revelation, um, and I'm, if you know me, I'm in a constant uh, blessing of reading Revelation, because that is a book that you will get blessed by reading. Nod your head and say, yes, I'm reading it too. Yes, declare it. And these two words from this verse jumped out at me, and it was this, continually conquer, continually conquer. Revelation 15 Verses 2 to 4, this is what I read. I read this. Then I saw what looked like a vast sea of glass, 
blended with fiery flames. And standing beside the sea were those who continually conquer the wild beast, his image, and the number of his name. They each held the harps of God and they were singing the song of Moses, God's servant, the song of the Lamb. Mighty and marvelous are your miracles, Lord Yahweh, God Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, O sovereign King of ages. Who will not reverence you with awe, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy and all nations will come and bow and worship before you as your blessings have revealed. Picture that scene with me. A vast sea of glass, blended with fiery flames. I I love this picture. And standing beside the sea were those who continually conquer the wild beast. Like not just one time, continually conquer the wild beast. Those who continually conquer his image. Those who continually conquer the number of his name. See, I'm preaching a word tonight of victory. Hello. I'm preaching a word of victory tonight. I'm preaching to warriors tonight. I just described a vision about it. Those who continually conquer the beast. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. See, you and I are in a battle. Whether you acknowledge it or not, we're in a battle. Not against humans, not against people to your left or your right or ahead of you or behind you. But we are in a war with demonic forces. And we fight against dark principalities and powers. We destroy. You and I actually destroy, because of Jesus, because of his blood, every stronghold of the enemy that tries to exalt itself against our God. And this is why we are called to push. See, the enemy does not like this message. Because one of the greatest lies of the devil is that the church is called to be just this passive group of cave dwellers, right, that just are suck our thumbs and wait for Jesus to come back. A- am I right? The gr- one of the greatest lies of the enemy is this passive Christianity. I can speak on authority because of that because I have been there. I've been in those churches. But I've got good news for you. Your rescuer has already come. Your rescue is actually complete, and you don't fight for victory, you fight from victory. Colossians 2.14 says Jesus canceled the charges against us. They're canceled, they're done. If you know him, if you received him, if you're walking with him, it's over. You're redeemed by his blood. He took that arrest warrant against you, and he blotted out the charges against you. He marked it paid in full. And in that moment, the veil was torn, access was granted, and you and I have full, undeniable access to the throne room, to the Holy of Holies, to the presence of the Lord. And Jesus didn't stop there. He made a public, public, public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. I wish, uh, I think we'll be able to see this one day. I don't know if he's got dvr or something, but... He stripped away every weapon that they had of all their spiritual and authority and power to accuse you and I. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. In Daniel 7, man, I was reading Daniel 7 last night right before 
I saw that Russia had gone to war with Ukraine. Oh, my goodness. You want to read some news? Go to Daniel 7. Because Daniel had this vision, and he's like, I saw thrones and thrones and kings and kings, and it scared him. Like wars and rumors of wars, he saw it. But it gets later on in the chapter, and he, he saw these thrones and thrones and kings and kings, and all of a sudden, I love it, because just like John in Revelation, Daniel, it says, I kept looking. And some of us were stuck looking in one dimension, and we need to look a little bit, a lot bit higher to another dimension. And he saw all this stuff, which is real, but he finally, he kept looking until he saw one throne and one king, which is above all of them. And Daniel 7, 21 and 22, he says, as I kept looking, that's a word for somebody, keep looking, higher, don't get stuck in, 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 the, in the, what's not the truest reality in the first heaven, look higher. I kept looking, and that horn, that beast, was making war against the saints, against you and I, the believers, and it was overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came, and he passed judgment in favor of the saints, in favor of you and I. And the time arrived. We're in a, time, we're in a special time right now. We're in a Kairos moment on the earth. And the time arrived where the saints the believers, and I believe that's right now, took possession of the kingdom. Because Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Simon, I'm giving you a new name, Peter, it means a stone, and on this rock, on this foundation, this bedrock, I'm going to build my church, my legislative assembly. Because that's what the ecclesia is. Ecclesia means the gathering in the public square. You're not meant to hide in a cave. You're meant to change the earth. And I'm going to build this rock, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. And I will give you, Jesus says to Peter, and thus you and I, I will give you the keys to the kingdom's heaven realm. To forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth what is released in heaven. We are called, my friends, to push against the darkness. We are called to push down the very gates of hell itself, to bind darkness on this earth and to loose the spirit of God on this earth. So if you see something on this, in this realm that doesn't line up with heaven, you bind it. If you see something of heaven that's not on this earth, you loose it. Bind and loose. That's your responsibility on this earth not a cave dweller. Anything less is a watered down and weak and untrue gospel. Anything less. And we cannot submit ourselves to that kind of cave dwelling mentality. Stand up for a second. Put your hand on your heart. You are those who continually conquer. You don't give up. You don't conquer one time. You continually conquer the wild beast. You. You're that soldier that I had in that vision of Dalton. You are those that continually conquer the image of the beast. You are those that continually conquer the number of the beast. And you are more than a conqueror because victory of Jesus Christ is yours. Do you receive that tonight? You may sit down.
So how do we practically carry that out? What does that look like on a Monday through Saturday? Should put Sunday in there too. How do we push against our enemy, this beast? How do we know when something carries the image of the beast or the number of the beast? Do we need to study the beast all the time? No, absolutely not. See, there's only one person that is central to the book of Revelation. And we get sidetracked by all this other stuff. Yes, it's important to understand it, but we get sidetracked. There's one marking that's major in Revelation. It's the mark that Jesus puts on you. There's one person that's central to the book of Revelation. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the only king on the throne. It's, yes, there's a dragon, there's a false prophet, there's a beast, the false trinity. And we need to be aware of this demonic trinity that comes against us. But the book is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about the unveiling, the pulling back of the curtain to see Jesus more clearly. We're looking for the one. We're looking to that next realm. We're looking higher. We see thrones and thrones and kings and kings in this realm, but we need to look to the throne and the king. And the Spirit says to John in chapter 4 of Revelation, he says, come up here. Ascend to this place. And all of a sudden, John comes up, and he's in the throne room, and he sees this crystal sea of glass in front of the throne room. This picture of total shalom peace. And at the same time, he sees lightning and hears thunder crashing from the throne room as the king speaks. Simultaneously, he sees and he's in the midst of this tension. And if we fast forward to Revelation 15, where I just read from, it says, Then I looked and saw a vast sea of glass blended with fiery flames. It's that same picture of perfect peace, the sea of glass and the fire, the lightning of God, mixed simultaneously. It's like truth and grace. You can't have one without the other. You need both. And standing beside the sea were you, those who continually conquer the wild beast. That's how we continually conquer the wild beast. A mixture of the sea of glass, perfect peace with the prince of peace, mixed with the fire and lightning, the word of God. That's how we conquer. That's what we go after. That's what we study and we come into his presence. This church believes that success is two things, the presence of God and the freedom that he brings in that presence. We must have a desperation for the presence of Jesus. And if we are continually looking higher, if we are continually coming up here, if we are continually ascending up to the throne room, if we are continually carrying both the fire and, and the, the peace of the Spirit, then when we bump into the beast or his image or his number, we will recognize that it's a different spirit because the Spirit of God in us says, nah, -uh, that's not me. So we don't need to study him too much. Because if we're so full of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we'll easily recognize something that's not of Jesus. And actually, the this is crazy. But the presence of Jesus actually attracts demonic powers so that they can be cast out. Because part of your ministry is continually conquering is to cast 
out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Actually do that. We're getting there. So how do we war with this enemy, this beast, this antichrist spirit? How do we bind what is not of, or how do we bind what is not of heaven on this earth and then loose what is of heaven onto this earth? Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16? And this is an incredible story of twists and turns and tension, but I think it's so practical for our everyday lives. I love it. Paul and Silas are uh, on this missionary journey, and they're bringing heaven to earth in this story in so many different tangible ways, and it's so relatable to our lives here today. They end up continually conquering the beast, not just through one way, but a mixture of sea of glass and fire. You see, we have to be so totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. If we're not walking with the Spirit, we can push right past him sometimes. And the danger is that we start pushing our own agenda instead of the agenda of heaven, instead of the agenda of the king, and that is not a good place to be in. Our role is to bring his kingdom to earth, not to build our own kingdom. So we must understand if the spirit in the moment is asking us to run or to walk or to sit, we must keep in pace with the spirit. It's so key. Because sometimes he says run. Sometimes he says sit. Sometimes he says walk. So important. Galatians 5, walk with the spirit. That is that brings the fruit of the spirit. So Paul and Silas in this story in Acts 16, they had just arrived in a town called Philippi in Macedonia after Paul actually had this vision of this man who's desperate in his vision for Paul to come to, to Macedonia. And so immediately, Paul obeys. Goes to Macedonia. I mean, takes a ship to get there, takes some time, but he obeyed in the moment he had the vision, and they left. Verse 13 of Acts chapter 16 says, When the Sabbath day came, we went outside the gates of the city to a nearby river, for there appeared to be a house of prayer and worship there. Sitting on the riverbank, we struck up a conversation with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia, a businesswoman from the city of Thyatira, who was a dealer of exquisite purple cloth, a Jewish convert. While Paul shared the good news with her, God opened her heart to receive Paul's message, and she devoted herself to the Lord, and we baptized her and her entire family. Afterwards, she urged us to stay in her home, saying, since I am now a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. I think that's so beautiful. So we were persuaded to stay there. So they're doing business. The first people they run into is this businesswoman. It's so awesome. They didn't know anybody in the city. They're sitting by the riverbank, and they simply struck up a conversation. See, your first weapon to continually conquer the beast is your voice. Your voice. And many times the darkness wins the day because you and I do not use our voice. We are silent. Not acceptable. If you are a follower of Jesus, your primary passion should be the gospel. Using your life and your voice to share the good news of Jesus. And you and I must strike up conversations in the business world, by the river. Conversations that don't just end up talking about the weather, but conversations that lead to the cross. I mean, I'm, don't be weird. 
Because the gospel is beautiful. Jesus is attractive. His presence is so attractive. But what I'm saying is don't muzzle the Holy Spirit. Don't let your voice be silenced. You carry God's breath in your lungs. You have the spirit of God to release from your mouth. Use it. He will give you the right words to say in the right moment. Like Proverbs says, like apples of gold and settings of silver. He'll give you those words. If you are walking in step with the Spirit, he'll give you every word to say. He'll give you the promptings to go down to the riverbank to encounter people along the way so that they can meet Jesus and be saved. So let's pray for fresh encounters, amen? Let's pray for conversations. There's no moment that God cannot use. On an airplane, on, on a bus, picking up your kids from school, at your cubicle, while you're driving, pray for fresh conversations and then pray for courage and faith to open your mouth. The next few verses. One day as we were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. It's one of the few spirits that the Bible names, demonic spirits. She had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us, shouting, these men are servants of the great high God, and they are telling us how to be saved. Day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling her, I command you in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her now. And at that very moment, the spirit came out of her. See, your second weapon to continually conquer the beast is to cast out demons. And if you don't run into a demon every once in a while, you might not be carrying the presence effectively. Because listen, the presence of Jesus attracts the demonic because there is a battle going on. And your second weapon is to cast out demons. It's not complicated. We did it a few weeks ago. Use the name of Jesus and his authority and cast that thing out. See, Paul and Silas were just going to church. They were on their way to the house of prayer. They were following the call of God on their life, and they encountered the spirit of Python. It's so interesting in this story because that spirit was actually saying truthful things, right? It was actually saying all truth. These men are servants of the great high God, true, and they're telling us how to be saved, true. Weird. But it was the way she said it, the continual shouting, the constant day after day. See, there are spirits that you will bump into as you follow the call of God in your life. And these spirits might be saying the right things, but in the wrong way and for the wrong reason. And that's why it's so imperative to test every spirit. The spirit of Python tries to do this. It tries to manipulate with flattery. It demands attention. It wants to be important and seen and heard. So it shouts loudly and it even says the right things. But it's demonic. And it's a distraction. It was weird. It had to be cast out in Jesus' name. See, if there is a spirit that is oppressing you or possessing someone else as an apostle of Jesus, your mission, your mandate is to cast that devil out. Jesus told this as apostles. He, he says when he sends us out, our first instructions are, I just said it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Hasn't changed. 
He hasn't changed his instructions. That wasn't just for then. It's for right now, 2022. And when this girl's owners realized that their potential of making profit off of her had vanished because that demon had been cast out, they forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. And when they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrates, the slave owners leveled accusations against them, saying, these Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion. They're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. Isn't it interesting that they were saying the exact same things that they were, themselves were doing? It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote these Jewish ways because we are Romans living in a Roman colony. And all of a sudden, the mob gathered, the accusations were there, and the Roman officials, they, you know, they bowed to the peer pressure of the mob, and so they took Paul and Silas, and they stripped them and beat them on with rods on their bare backs. And the Bible says, after they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell, solitary confinement. They had their feet bound and chained, and I love this. It says, Paul and Silas, undaunted, undaunted, prayed. Their first thing was they prayed. In the middle of the night, after being beaten half to death, they prayed, and then they sang songs of praise to God. And it wasn't just for them. Because the Bible says all the other prisoners listened to their worship. And suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. And all at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Not just Paul and Silas's, every cell door. Because your praise and your prayer unlocks not just your doors. It locks on other people's doors around you. And the jailer, assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop. Don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. And the jailer called for a light, and when he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in, and he fell trembling at their feet. And he led Paul and Silas outside and said, What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and all your family. And they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and his family. And even though the hour was late, the jailer washed their wounds. And then he and all his family were baptized. And he took Paul and Silas into his home. There it is again. Lydia, businesswoman, took him into his home. Jailer, enemy, got saved, brought him into his home. It's beautiful, so beautiful. He set them at his table and he fed them. The jailer and his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. And at daybreak, the magistrates sent officers to the prison with orders to tell the jailer, let those two men go. I don't think they had any idea what happened. Your third weapon to continually conquer the beast is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. And this is the part of the story we're most familiar with. 
They're wrongly accused. They get thrown into prison. This great mob comes after them after these accusations are leveled. That's what happens when demons are cast out. It raises up accusations. It stirs up these dark powers because they no longer have control. And so Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten severely. I want to emphasize this point. It's many times through your suffering that you continually conquer the beast. See, it's not just one or another. There's all these multiple ways. Remember, sea of glass mixed with fire. Who defeated who on the cross? The blood of the lamb. The word of your testimonies. The fact that you don't love your life even unto death. That's what Revelation 12 says. That's how you defeat the enemy. Jesus looked like he was defeated at the cross, but he was the one that actually defeated the enemy. See, there's nothing the beast or the system can do to you or I. Nothing. Because of Jesus, I win. You win. Nothing. And if you realize that you're standing next to the sea of glass, perfect peace, mixed with the fire of God, there's no accusation, there's no demon, there's no principality, there's nothing that can come against you because you've already won the victory. And I love this, though, and I pray that you and I could mature to this level. Paul and Silas, undaunted. They'd just gone through that horrific day. They're like, how many of us would have been like, after we cast out that demon, the mob came after us. Then we got stripped and beaten and thrown in prison. We're like, oh, God, we're suffering for your glory. Throw a big pity party. No. They had the maturity to respond and know they were about to use a weapon of prayer and praise. And that weapon unlocked, literally unlocked all the other cell doors. Because they knew by their suffering because of their prayer and their praise, they could defeat the enemy. They prayed in the middle of the night, the darkest part of the night. Now there's a spot on these carpets up here that I pray on. It's that carpet over there. And it's one of my favorite parts of the week. I was on it tonight for a little bit. And I realized about a month or two ago, I kind of had this vision of what this building used to be. A literal demonic stronghold. If you don't know, it was a swingers club where terrible, terrible acts were committed in this building. And as I was face down on that carpet, I pictured us when we came in here and demolished, there were showers right around here. These nasty, gross showers. But we beat them down with sledgehammers. It was a spiritual act. And as I'm, I was face down tonight, and I saw, I was, I was laying right where those showers were, and I heard the Lord say, yeah, but what's here now? That's been buried. That's no longer. That's in the past. My blood's covered that. What's here now is my presence. And he loves to take gross, nasty things, our gross, nasty sin, and just turn it around. He loves the jailbreak. And I heard him say, same, same place, same carpet, about six weeks ago. 
I said, God, what are you doing in the world? What is this? Like, I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. And he said, Chris, this is the greatest jailbreak of all time. You think, you think you're all in a prison. I'm about to unlock all the cell doors. Because he's stirring it up. He's recreating the whole earth, it's groaning. That's why you and I are here tonight, because our hearts are groaning. We can't get enough of you, Jesus, because we're being called back to the beginning. We're being called back to how it was originally intended to be. He's literally recreating the world. But it's happening. He's got to shake all the systems, the principalities and powers. He's got to, he, listen to this. He uses evil kings for his amazing purposes. And what looks like craziness, God, we pray for the people of Ukraine right now. Jesus, protect the believers in Ukraine right now. But we know you are on your throne. And while there are thrones and thrones and kings and kings, there is only one throne and one king. And you are shaking the systems of this world to bring everything back into alignment to yourself because this is the greatest jailbreak of all time because... Jesus already holds the keys. Thank you, Jesus. And see, some of you are in your own prisons right now. And you can either sit in your prison and have a pity party, or you can pray. And I'm not talking about some weak sauce, pity party, thumb-sucking prayer. I'm talking about a desperation for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, like a desperation for the lamb that's on the throne, for the lion that's on the throne. See, what was the one thing that Jesus taught his disciples to do? What was the one thing that they asked him, teach us to do this? What? It was to pray. Why? Because I think they saw his prayer life when he would go away with the Father and he would come back with so much power and so much authority. They're like, if I can get that, that's what I want. So God, teach us how to pray. If we could just get into this, if we could figure this out, it would unlock so many things in our lives. That's why I'm committing for myself personally in 2022 to grow so much in prayer and intercession and groaning. To get to that place, I've been in it a few times where there's no words and I'm just groaning and his spirit is speaking to my spirit. I don't even realize what's happening, but something is shifting in different realms. And you can sulk in your prison and be miserable in your pit or you can... Keep wandering around in that wilderness and never know of the power in your life. Or you can pray. And you can say, Jesus, he's, he's, he's just as available as he was to his disciples, to you and I. He's right here. The kingdom realm is right here. And so how about you and I tonight say, God, teach me how to pray. Not a weak sauce prayer, but with fervency, with power, with faith, faith. Because I'm telling you, if you get your face in the throne room, if you seek his presence with desperation, it will move you to a place of authority and power. Remember what he said to start the night. I'm, I'm giving you an authority, a covering tonight. And think of a lot of that has to do with the power of prayer. See, if you're in that place, you will actually see the earthquake before you feel the ground start shaking. You will actually see demons be expelled from this building before they are. 
you will see chains fall off before your hands are physically unbound. You will see the Red Sea fall upon the enemy before it actually happens. That's the type of prayer and power that you have in his presence. And that releases, that attitude of desperation before the throne releases praise. And you'll start singing the victory songs before you actually see the breakthrough in your life. At midnight. When it's the darkest. When it really stinks to feel like your feelings are lying to you most of the time, right? That's when we pray. That's when we praise. Because we know the daybreak is coming. We know the light is about to break upon us. And so we can pray, Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. It be established right here, right now in my life. Teach me how to pray right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. And so the jailer, the story goes on. The jailer informed Paul and Silas. And, and this is usually where we stop the story, okay? The story hasn't ended yet. Remember, we've got to get to politics. The magistrates have sent orders to release you, the jailer said. You're free to go now. Wouldn't you think at that point, Paul and Silas would be like, that's awesome. These guys, the jailer just got saved and his family. We're going to walk away. Nope. Paul told the officers, look, they had us beaten in public without a fair trial, and we are actually Roman citizens. Do you think we're just going to quietly walk away after they threw us in prison and violated all of our rights? Holy smokes. Absolutely not. You go back and tell the magistrates that they need to come down here themselves and they escort us out. This guy is bold. Paul, what are you doing, man? You, you wrote Romans 13. Did you forget about that? When the officers went back and reported what Paul and Silas had told them, the magistrates were frightened, <laughs> especially upon hearing that they had beaten two Roman citizens without due process. So they went to the prison and apologized to Paul and Silas, begging them repeatedly, please leave our city now. <laughs> so Paul and Silas left the prison, went back to Lydia's house, where they met with the believers and comforted and encouraged them before departing. I love this story. <laughs> your fourth weapon to continually conquer the beast is your position. Your position. See, the same Paul who wrote Romans 13 about submitting to authority, which is so, so important. Do not mishear me. There's a tension here. That same Paul is now demanding that Rome recognize his and Silas's rights as Roman citizens. Why not just walk away from the jailbreak? Why, Paul, do you want to stir up more controversy? Why can't these guys just be like peaceful, church, quiet folk? Why do they keep honking all those horns? I mean, this is so ironic. Paul literally wrote a letter to the Philippian church, to the same city that he's in at the moment, later on. And he says, hey, guys, my citizenship is in heaven. But here he is pushing back, using his Roman citizenship in the face of authorities, not backing down, not walking away quietly from the miracle of the prison, but demanding that the Roman authorities apologize to them. He's using, check this out, he's using his earthly rights 
for a heavenly purpose. There's a tension here, huge tension. We can't get this wrong. We have to hold this intention. Think about this. Why did Paul and Silas get thrown in prison? Because they cast out a demon. That spirit of Python, they conquered the beast doing that. In prison, they suffered. They didn't see it as an obstacle, but rather an opportunity. They prayed and praised before the breakthrough. They conquered the beast that way. And after getting released, they didn't walk quietly away. They were still conquering the beast mode, continually conquering the beast. You see, the next time somebody in Philippi casts out a demon, the authorities are going to think twice about coming against them, aren't they? Paul is using his earthly right to do what Jesus instructed, to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven, to loose on earth, release on earth what is released in heaven. That's why Paul would later write to the church at Philippi. Same city he did this in. I love this. Philippians 3. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think about only this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. See, that's why Paul fought for his rights. It wasn't about his rights. It was about heavenly rights being established on this earth. Because we have to realize the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of her God. We're using our heavenly authority, our heavenly rights to establish his kingdom here on earth. And the key is eagerly awaiting his presence longing for his unveiling. Remember, the victory's already won. You and I are just here to establish it, to carry it out, to use the keys of authority that Jesus has given us in our position with Christ. Because right now, you and I are seated high above every principality and power. And that way, we fight darkness with our heavenly citizenship. It's not someday you have heavenly citizenship. It's right here, right now. You're just using that authority to establish it here on earth. You were created to be a conqueror. Why don't you stand up and close your eyes and just focus on this moment. You were created to continually conquer the beast. You've been given the authority and the keys of Jesus. And you're standing right now, just look like John did, and see a vast sea of glass blended with fiery flames. And standing beside the sea is you. Those who continually conquer the wild beast, his image, and the number of his name. That's you. You're holding the harps of God and you're singing the song of Moses, the song of the Lamb. Mighty and marvelous are your miracles. Righteous and true are your ways, O sovereign King of ages. Who will not reverence you with awe, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and bow and worship before you. 
as your blessings have revealed. See, in Hebrews 12, it says, it says this. You have not come to a physical mountain. You haven't come to Mount Sinai. No, no, no. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come. It says we have come. Not in the future. Listen to me. Not in the future. Right here. Right now. We have come. We are pushing into heaven. And if you know Jesus tonight, you own that heavenly citizenship. If you don't know him, all you have to do is turn and say, Jesus, you paid the price. You defeated darkness. I choose you. I start to walk after you. Follow me, he said. He's walking. He's moving. The only question is, are you stepping behind him? And in this church, we step forward together after our master. Right here, right now, we have joined in heaven's song. We are joining with the millions of angels, the myriads of angels, Hebrews 12 says. Right here, right now, we have come to Jesus. We've come to his blood, which speaks a better word. It says the earth was rocked, rocked at the sound of his voice. But now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. That's what's happening right now in the world. And only what is unshakable will remain. But since we are receiving our rights, your heavenly citizenship to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest of worship. Worship that delights his heart. That's what he's after. He wants you to choose him, but he's not going to force you. He's so desperate for you. But are you desperate for him? As we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe, for our God is a holy, devouring fire. And the Lord is saying tonight, he's saying, come up here. Stop living with what your eyes can see, your earthly eyes, and come up here. Ascend to this level. Ascend to the throne room. He's inviting you up to a higher level, leveling you up. And there's nothing standing between you and, and how high you want to go with him. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. As much of him as you want is your heart's desire. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's really all there is. If you have him, you have everything. If you have him, if you found him as the treasure, you own everything. Father, shake everything right now. We know you're shaking the systems of the world. We know you're shaking the unseen realm. Shake our hearts. Winnow that remaining chaff from our hearts. That little bit of stuff we want to hold on to. Loosen our grip. 
burn a fire within us, Father. And it's gonna hurt, but it's beautiful. We pray for more fire so the dross can be cleaned off the top. We wanna offer you the purest of worship, the purest of our lives. Oh God, we wanna come up there. You're inviting us up to the throne room. In this moment, as, as, we, as we sing Echo Holy again in a few moments, I just think the way Heidi started this, what she heard at the beginning, is if, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling, if you're encountering any sort of demonic oppression or possession, he wants to touch you right now in this moment, this next moment. He wants all of your heart, but he's not going to force you because that's what true love does. It doesn't force. He could have made you a robot, but he didn't because he wants you to respond because he responds to you. He groans wanting you so badly, but he wants you to choose him back. So right now in this moment, his wind is going to blow shake things within you, heal things within you. I declare he has healed you, he is healing you, and he's going to heal you. We break the power of every migraine over Heidi's life. You said this is a night of anointing, Father. So heal the head from the top of the head like Aaron. We declare the oil of Aaron be poured out that Jesus himself, like that vision I had, is being, he's touching our heads, he's pouring it out. And no weapon formed against our minds or our bodies can prosper. Father, would you cut off every weapon formed against, cut off every demonic oppression that's coming against in the name of Jesus and by your blood, we break every curse, every power of every curse, and we turn it around and it has become a blessing. Yes, every demon has to flee at the name of Jesus. His blood speaks a better word. We are people of the throne room. We are people that continually conquer. Now release your spirit into this place. Your presence that is peaceful as that sea of glass and your fire that burns. Burn where you need to burn and cause peace where you need to cause peace. I have your way with us, Father. We submit to your authority. You are there is nothing between you and us. Like Peter on the mountain, we just when we look up, we see only you. You're the only one. And so we choose to fall at your feet again. We choose you. You're the greatest treasure. Have your way. We are fully 
submitted to your authority, Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. One throne, one king. One throne and one king.